Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad you're joining me today on the Friday broadcast. And exciting things are happening, right? God is doing mighty things in the midst of all the craziness that we're living in. And I was reading some good things about church membership, you know? Did you know that 90% of new members will stay in their congregation if they, number one, can articulate their faith, Number two, belong to a subgroup, such as a Bible study or a small group or a choir or a Sunday school class. And then number three, if they have four to eight close friendships in their congregation. So I want to encourage you to be connected with a local church. It's such a blessing to have a church family because that's where you get a lot of support. That's where you can give a lot of encouragement. And I remember one time telling my kids, I said, you guys don't realize how blessed you are to be part of the Hickory Ridge Community Church family. And not, I mean, it's cool to be part of the Corbett family and it's cool to be part of a church family because at that time, the jobs that all of my kids had were given to them through connections with people at the church. And I said, listen, you are blessed. Look at these wonderful jobs that you have. And then anytime they needed something, whether it be something was broken, there was always somebody at the church. And I remember my son, Josh, one time says, dad, we got everybody in our church. If our air conditioner goes out, somebody from the church comes over and fixes it. If we have a plumbing problem, uh, somebody from the church comes over and fixes it. If something breaks and it needs to be repaired on the car, uh, somebody from the church knows how to fix it. And what a blessing it is to be part of the church and to be part of God's family. It is giving and taking. And I want you to know that if you will invest heavily in the church, you'll get a lot out of it. If you invest moderately in the church, you get a moderate amount out of it. If you invest a very small amount in the church, well, you're not going to get a whole lot out of it. So be connected within the church. So this is part two of what we're talking about when it comes to this matter of stop playing God. We've covered a whole lot of territory already, and I want to focus on how we can go about not playing God. We talked about the reasons why we play God, and sometimes we judge others because it ends up excusing our own sin. Uh, It appeals to our pride, and we're told that we should humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift us up. We should not judge others because it's very unchristian to judge others. James tells us, brothers, do not slander anyone who speaks against his brother or judges his brother, right? So we don't speak against our brothers in Christ. We don't talk about them. If there's a problem, we speak to them, right? We don't speak about them. And not only is it unchristian, it's very unloving. Anyone who judges, judges and speaks against the law. And the royal law says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. You're doing right. So we don't slander the people that we love. We also learned that to be judging others is really unjustified because there's really only one judge, the only one lawgiver and judge. And who are you to judge? We learned yesterday that the word lawgiver is used six times in the Old Testament. And one time in the New Testament, the six times it is used in the Old Testament, it always referred to God. The one time it appears in the New Testament, it refers to God. You see, God is the lawgiver and the judge. See, it's wrong 
to judge others because oftentimes when we do, we're guilty of doing the same thing. Romans 2 tells us we don't have any excuse. Those who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge others, you're condemning yourself. For you who pass judgment do the very same thing. Now we know that God's judgment on those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them, yet you do the same thing, do you think you'll escape God's judgment? Paul is reminding us that we often have a skewed understanding as we make a judgment because it's not based solely on truth. It says, if we are as mere men pass judgment on others, do you think that will escape God's judgment? Because Jesus says the way that we judge others is how God judges us. So we learn also that it's wrong to judge others when we're doing the same thing, but it's also wrong to judge others when it blinds me to my own faults. You see, Jesus was very clear. Before we look at a little speck in somebody else's eye, we better make sure that we get that big plank out of our own eyes. You see, that's why we are considered a hypocrite. You see, the hypocrite is not the one who speaks the truth, but the hypocrite is the one who speaks the truth and lives a life contrary to what he's speaking. You know, I'm a real hypocrite if I said that you should not commit adultery, and then I go and commit adultery. That's where hypocrisy comes from. How do you overcome hypocrisy? When you mess up, you confess it. You leave that lifestyle of sin. And then you can speak no longer as a hypocrite. That's what Jesus is talking about. First, move that plank out of your own eye. First, deal with that sin in your own eye. Then you can look at your brother's sin. You see, his sin looks a whole lot bigger than my sin when I'm looking at this plank that is blocking my vision. I want you to know that God has given us a wonderful opportunity, a wonderful opportunity to be a blessing to others. I have found in confronting people in their sin, you do it humbly. You consider yourself, lest you also fall. You know, when you think about confronting others, because many times we're fearful of of being called judgmental, we choose not to confront at all. I don't think that's the wisest thing. I think it's better to confront, considering yourself, lest you also fall. You pray that God will give you the wisdom and, and order your steps as you deal with issues. Well, as we go down our list, it's wrong for us to judge when it's based on outward appearance. Jesus says, stop judging, John 7, 24, by mere appearances. Don't base your judgment based on what something appears to be. If you've listened to me any length of time, you know that I have a son that is autistic, and he's now a young adult, and and uh, and he loves watching Disney movies. One of his favorite is Shrek, and that's an animated movie, and Shrek celebrates the worth of society's undervalued people. And the movie revolves around this this ogre whose name is Shrek, and he and he lives out in the middle of nowhere, and he finds a friend, and that friend is a talking donkey, and he unexpectedly falls in love with a princess. And he rescues this princess from 
a castle. And this fairy tale emphasizes that humans place too much importance on outward appearances. Well, after freeing the princess, Shrek and the donkey escort her back to the village in keeping with the prince's orders. Because the journey is long, they decide to camp out. Well, around the campfire, Donkey talks to Shrek about what life will be like once they return to Shrek's home, a home in the humble swamp. Looking up into the sky, the donkey says, Hey, Shrek, what are you going to do when we get back to our swamp anyhow? Our swamp, Shrek challenges. There's no R. Uh, Just me and my swamp. And the first thing I'm going to do is build a 10-foot wall around my land. Well, Donkey is surprised. He thought they had developed a friendship that would result in sharing their lives and possessions once the quest was over. You cut me deep, Shrek, Donkey confesses. You cut me really deep just now. You know what I think? This whole wall thing is just a way to keep everybody out. The two argue back and forth and exchange verbal jabs. At last, Donkey asked, Who are you trying to keep out? Just tell me that, okay? Everyone, okay? Shrek explains. Hey, what's your problem, Shrek? What you got against the whole world anyway? The huge ogre seems almost childlike as he candidly explains. I'm not the one with the problem. It's the whole world that seems to have a problem with me. People take one look at me and go, Oh, help, run. It's a big, stupid, ugly ogre. They judge me before they even know me. That's why I'm better off alone. Donkey joins Shrek and says, You know what? When we first met, I didn't think you were just a big, stupid, ugly ogre. Yeah, I know, Shrek acknowledged with gratitude. For the first time, he realizes someone has looked beyond his outward appearance and accepted him. You know, I got to make a confession. Years ago, I used to judge people by their looks. And I looked at somebody who had a lot of tattoos, for example, and I says, man, I don't know if that guy can be very right with the Lord. Until I met a guy by the name of Jay. Jay was a young guy. He was a biker that that was gloriously saved, came to a saving knowledge of Christ, started attending Hickory Ridge Community Church. He was an extremely talented musician. As a matter of fact, he could play three keyboards all at once. And so I asked Jay if he would consider helping us and, and leading our worship team. And, and I remember every Sunday that he'd get up there and, and it turned into summer and the weather was getting hot. And I noticed every single Sunday... Jay always wore a long sleeve shirt. And I remember talking to him after the services one day. I says, you know, it's getting mighty hot. And, and uh, you know, when you're up on the stage, you got light shining on you. And, and uh, it's probably 10, 15 degrees warmer on the stage. And I says, why don't you wear something that's a little more comfortable and, and maybe wear some short sleeves? And, and he says, well, I, I've considered it. But he says, but I'm not sure that I'd be accepted if I wore short sleeves. And I began kind of scratching my head. What do do you mean? And I had never seen Jay not in a shirt other than a long sleeve shirt. And he rolled up his sleeves. And then I saw his entire arms, both of his arms 
from the just beyond his his wrist all the way up, and then he says his whole body is covered with tattoos. And the Lord rebuked me on that, thinking that I was making a judgment call on somebody because they were covered in tattoos. And I remember telling Jay, I says, you know what? You can go ahead and wear short sleeves. I says, nobody is going to care about those tattoos. Nobody's going to make mention of those tattoos. We look at your heart and we see that you are a trophy of God's amazing grace because he had a powerful testimony of how God turned his life around. You see, God doesn't look at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. You know where that verse actually came from? It's the story of King Saul, who was disobedient to God and was told to go and conquer the Amalekites. He was told to defeat the Amalekites and get rid of all of the livestock and don't leave anything behind. And he partially obeyed. He decided not to kill the king and not to kill all the livestock. And when Samuel goes back to, to see why this had occurred, he has this cover-up. And he says, well, I kept these animals to offer them as a sacrifice unto the Lord. And the sacrifice was a sacrifice that was displeasing. And we discover that Samuel uses that phrase, that God is more interested not in the outward appearance of what is happening, but the inward appearance. And then we see this same phrase repeated when he is deciding who is going to be the next king of Israel. And he looks out and he says, God doesn't choose as men choose. God doesn't choose the tall and the mighty necessarily. He chooses those whose hearts are right. When choosing the next king of Israel, God chose David, the man that was of shorter stature, because he had a heart for God. Others may look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. There's another time that we should not be judging, and that is when you condemn without knowing all the facts. In John chapter 7, Nicodemus, who who had gone to Jesus earlier in John chapter 3, Nicodemus was there with their own number, and he was talking to the Sanhedrin. And the question came up, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he's doing? He says, you talk to all the accusers without talking to the accused. And here, it was his debate. You know, when you think about the facts of the resurrection, for example, there's hundreds of pages of arguments for and against Christ's resurrection. A good critical scholar must account for the facts with integrity, even when the facts may be in tension uh, with their own desired outcome. Then he uses the following example from American history. You know, long before John Adams became the second president of the United States in 1770, He was a respected lawyer in New England, where the Boston Massacre had just occurred. Well, there were no lawyers that would defend the British soldiers involved for fear of the American public, which had now grown even stronger in its anti-British sentiments. 
but Adams believed that everyone was entitled to a fair trial. He took the case, the public turned against him, and he lost more than half of his clients. In a courtroom that was described as crowded and electrical, Adams argued that the soldiers were innocent. He then added, Facts are stubborn things, and whatever may be our wishes, our inclinations, or our dictums of our passions, they cannot alter the state of the facts and the evidence. You see, no matter how much one may loathe the idea that Jesus rose from the dead and may fantasize about other outcomes, the historical bedrock remains the same. Jesus' resurrection is the best explanation of the relevant history or the relevance of evidence. When we make a judgment against somebody, we better make sure that we have our facts straight. You see, it's wrong to judge when we condemn without knowing all the facts. In the book of Proverbs, there's a very interesting verse. It says, He that speaks first appears to be right until all the facts are cross-examined. So be careful and hold off your judgment until you know all the facts. Well, there's another time in which it's very dangerous to be judgmental. When we base our judgment on external religious observations. Now, let me explain. When we look at how different people operate, Paul realizes that he had a little problem with the Colossian believers. There was a mixture of Gentiles and Jews coming together to worship. In Colossians chapter 2, he says, Therefore, do not let anyone judge by what you eat, drink, or regard of religious festivals, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath. All right, these are things of, of shadows of things that were to come. Here they are driving home the point that some will still practice certain religious observations. I think about my brothers who are called Messianic Jews. They are born-again believers. They have put their faith and trust in Christ. They believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They believe he came 2,000 years ago. They are my brothers and sisters in Christ. But they celebrate Passover. They observe the Sabbath differently. Is that making them wrong? Absolutely not. So I should not be basing how I live in worship, the external observances that I have, and I should not be judging them. Paul goes so far to say that some people hold one day as sacred and others hold another day as sacred. He says, but don't make a judgment. Everyone must be convinced of what they're doing is right in their own heart. So as we go through our list today, There's something else that we must remember, that God accepts both. Look what he says in the book of Romans, and he drives home this point that in verse number 13, Romans chapter 14, therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put a stumbling block or an obstacle in your brother's way. So there are some principles here. Whatever you do, have a clear conscience about it. Don't offend other people. Don't judge other people. Look what it says in verse 20, going down to Romans 14, 20. Don't destroy the work of God 
for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it's wrong for a man to eat anything that causes someone to stumble. It is better not to eat or not to drink or not to consume wine or not to do anything else to cause your brother fall. And then later on, Paul says, don't go what is against your conscience. So if your conscience tells you that you shouldn't eat meat, then don't eat meat. But don't expect that to be held with everybody. If your conscience tells you that you should not drink, then don't drink. He says, don't cause your brother to fall if you decide not to drink because you don't want him to fall. And so it's very clear here of how we should be conducting ourselves. There's another point that we should not judge others, and that is when it causes you to speak evil about another Christian. James 4.11 says, Do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. Very clear. Do not speak evil about another Christian. You know, somebody once said that Christians are the only ones who shoot their wounded. It's a sad commentary, right? When a brother or a sister is stumbling, instead of helping them up, uh, we push them down. And I'm not talking about compromising on truth, but I'm talking about a brother in Christ who is a genuine brother in Christ. He needs me to encourage him. He needs me to lift him up and not kick him while he's down. Number seven, when it comes to judging, we should not judge others when it causes us to judge others' motives because we don't know the motives of other people. 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. I would say, underline that word, nothing. Judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes, and He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness, and He'll expose the motives of a man's heart. One day, we will know the motives of a man's heart, but until then, we should give the benefit of the doubt. When I think about all my years that I've been pastoring Hickory Ridge Community Church, the church has been very gracious for many years. For 26 years, we have been uh, in this wonderful relationship. I can only recall one incident where I had somebody judge my motives. And I tell you, it, it hurt me deeply because they had no idea of what my motives were. Uh, they thought they did, but they were wrong. That hurts deeply. Well, let's talk about how we can break the habit of judging others. Here's the thing to remember. Number one, I'll be judged by the same standard that I use to judge other people. I don't know about you, but I want other people and I want, I want the Lord to be very, very gracious to me, right? Jesus says, don't judge others so that God will not judge you, for God will judge you in the same way you judge others. And he will apply to you the same rules you apply to others. So if I'm harsh to others, I can expect God to be harsh to me. If I'm gracious to others, God will be gracious to me. So first of all, remember I'll be judged by the same standards that I judge other people. Number two, remember that each of us is accountable to God. Every one of us, Romans 14 says, will give an account of himself to God. So then let us stop judging one another. We answer to God. One day we're going to give an account of ourselves to Him. 
So never forget that we are accountable to God. And then number three, remember how much God has been merciful to me. In James chapter 2, verse 13, it says, Mercy triumphs over judgment. God wants to be merciful to us. But if we do not receive that mercy, then we face judgment. When we receive that mercy, it triumphs over the judgment. In other words, God looks out at us and says, I'm not going to judge you because you have received the mercy made possible through my son, Jesus Christ. Well, today, as we close out our time, I want you to know that God can deliver you from a judgmental spirit. You know, when people join Hickory Ridge Community Church, I say, I won't talk about you if you don't talk about me. If I have a problem with you, I'll go to you. If you have a problem with me, come to me. Don't talk about me. Talk to me. I won't talk about you. I will talk to you. I have discovered that has worked wonders in our church in setting us free from a judgmental spirit. Well, thank you so much for listening today. I'm praying that you have a wonderful weekend. I hope to see you at church this Sunday, Hickory Ridge Community Church, 9 o'clock or 1045. God bless you. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.